Hello and welcome to the next installment of Opt-In NYC Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Police Officer Joe Galetta. I am joined this week with... John Negron. And our guest... Police Officer Joe Ryder. So, Officer Ryder, in your past, you've had a lot of multimedia experience. Why don't you tell us about some of the projects you've done? Hmm, where to begin? <laughs> so, um, I went to school at Stony Brook for journalism. And from there, uh, I started interning with WSHU Public Radio, um, creating news stories and um, doing audio journalism for radio. Um, I also worked as a production assistant with Fox News Radio on their Headlines 24-7 platform. Um, It was a great experience. Um, I love the art of audio storytelling, podcasting. Great idea. Um, Thank you. I've also done live streaming, video production, photography. Uh, I'm a freelance photographer for the New York Mets. Um, I produce live streams for the department and for outside organizations from time to time. Um, I just love the art of visual storytelling, audio storytelling, and um, I'm thrilled to be able to do that for the police department now. Well, welcome. Glad to have you, especially with all that career. I can't believe you're not doing this instead of me, but (laughs) it's my show. I'm keeping it. Uh, So the the freelance work that you do for the New York Mets, how do you just go to the games, take pictures, and they they buy them off you? How does that work? So it's actually a funny story, and this is actually a really, really good point for a lot of the younger listeners out there, kids in high school, um, college students. I was in college. I was photographing football, soccer, lacrosse, um, I, I think I even did a, a cricket game at Stony Brook and I love sports photography. Um, I think there's something special about being able to capture like athletic competition. It's very hard. It's not as simple as some people might think it is, but I always wanted to shoot baseball and I've been a lifelong Mets fan and I'm like, how do I do this? Naturally. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll call someone. And I went online and I did a search. I tried to find out who I should contact. And I, I found um, the, the photographer for the team and an awesome guy. Um, and I found his website, found his contact information. He had a phone number and an email listed. And a lot of the times in, this, in today's societies, you just want to email or text somebody. You don't, some people are afraid of calling people nowadays. So I sent an email to him. Got no reply. I'm like, ah, oh, I guess he's just ignoring me. I sent him a follow-up email. Nothing. And then it struck me about a month later. I'm like, why don't I just call the guy? I call him. He picks up on the first ring. I, I talk to him, explain what I wanted to do. He's like, yeah, um, I can get you in. Uh, tell me when you want to come. I'll get you a pass, and we'll see what happens. And I did that, and he's actually a really good friend now, and... Um, how it works with the team is I, I pretty much get to pick a couple games a year. I go, um, I shoot them, and I, us- I usually just give all the, the, f- the photos to the team. I'm not um, making any profit off it or anything like that. I'm not making any money, but I'm getting to go to the games and be able to experience my favorite baseball team and be able to get to do something I love. Um, it's, it's awesome. I got, I've, getting, I've gotten to photograph walk-off home runs, um, great pitching duels, uh, I've gotten to see, um, I photographed the first game with Pete Alonzo after the All-Star break, after he donated uh, $10,000 to the Tunnels of Towers Foundation. I got to meet him, thank him. I actually gave him a patch. Oh, nice. Um, it's, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. 
Yeah, that's great. And I feel like there's people that are either afraid of making phone calls or people that just don't check their emails. And you're either one yeah. or the other. Yeah. The, yeah. I was told when I called him, like, hey, I emailed you, never answered. He's like, oh, I don't use that email anymore. I'm like, oh, I should have just called. And they keep it listed for a while. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably more effort to go to the Met organization, <laughs> tell them, update this email. But that's great that you can um, create two, combine two hobbies like that of baseball mm-hmm. and photography. But uh, what about more the the radio aspect now? Is that through college after the... So when I was in college, um, I actually started as a freshman as a mechanical engineering and computer science double major. I took a class on audio journalism and fell in love with it. Um, there's something special about the radio that uh, other mediums don't necessarily have. When you're listening to a story on the radio, like on your drive to work, it's kind of, it's with you. You kind of get to know the people on the radio. They kind of become like your family in a way, um, especially when you're commuting an hour and a half to work every day. Um, and it was just something I loved doing. And I got the opportunity to work with WSHU Public Radio. And I got to tell some diverse stories on there. Um, I did a, a big story. I think it aired all along the East Coast. It was about oysters. And you would think, oysters, who's going to listen to this story? And I ended up going to an oyster farm out in um, the North Fork of Long Island. And I went out in this oyster boat with this guy, this, this rickety boat. And we're pulling up these oysters. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. He's going to get trucked to the city, to um, Chelsea Market, sold there. And I just followed the path of the oyster from the farm to the market to the, to the, to the restaurant. It was awesome. And it was a great story. Um, So I've told stories about oysters. Um, I helped cover the 2016 election with WSHU. Um, That was before I got in the job. I've done some some interesting interesting stories with them. There was one story that, probably my favorite story I ever did, was for Memorial Day in 20... Memorial Day 2017. And... Uh, at Pearl Harbor, um, the USS Oklahoma had capsized mm-hmm. and hundreds of sailors were entombed in it. And there was a, a project to bring some of these, these unknown, unidentified remains and try to identify them. And one of the sets of remains was identified as um, a sailor from Long Island. And his, his body was going to get brought home and finally into a proper resting place. So I reached out and got in contact with his, I believe it was his nephew and, or great nephew. He was the only surviving family member left. And I I just talked with him for, for, for about an hour or so about what it meant for his family to finally get the remains back, finally have closure on what happened. And that was probably my, one of my most fulfilling stories I ever, I ever did for the radio. Wow. That is that is impressive. So you have this really large arsenal and kind of resume of, of your photography and your experience on radio shows and just with thought in general. Was there any prior inspiration aside from the first class you took in college, kind of with the photography and the radios? So photography, yes. And I know you're in high school. And when I was in high school, my senior year in Long Island, we had a nine-period day. And I had lunch sixth period and then i had a study hall um 
eighth period. And ninth period, I had off. And as a senior, you're allowed to leave. And I played sports. You can go get stuff done before practice and whatnot. But I had this pesky class seventh period. And I'm like, what can I do to get out of this class? And the one I was in, I couldn't get out. The teacher was doing their job. <laughs> but <laughs> I was able to switch it. And there was a photography course. And the, the teacher, Miss Iaquinto, she made me a deal. She's like, I need a photographer for the yearbook. If you do the, all the photos and become a yearbook editor, you never have to come to class and I will give you an A. I'm like, deal. What, else, what more do you have to say? So I started doing that and I, I went to class once in a while for that one. But I pretty much had six periods and ninth period off. And I, I actually ended up using the time to go photograph the sports teams, to go photograph the clubs, to go get candid photos for the yearbook. I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool. And that's what kind of put the seed in my mind about the visual arts and photography and whatnot. Because before that, I was in all the AP classes. I did AP physics, mm -hmm. chemistry, calculus. It's very analytical and like, oh, engineering, math. It's the only thing there is. But after that class, I'm like, wow, there's, there's other things that you can do that can be fulfilling. And um, then in college, mechanical engineering and computer science weren't jiving with me. And I'm like, you know what? I loved photography. What can I do that's, that's sort of like that in that vein with storytelling? And I'm like, oh, journalism. So boom, and the rest is history. So the good origin story. <laughs> now, the, the video side of it, the streaming side, did that just evolve from photography? Yes. So when I was doing client work with photography, um, someone approached me and like, can you do video? I'm like, yeah. I walked away from that meeting. I'm like, I got to learn how to do video. <laughs> Um, and it just evolved from there. The live streaming was, um, live streaming is a lot. People, you can go live on your phone pretty easily, but if you want a second camera or an angle, or it gets pretty like involved. A proper production setup. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's only a little investment. I can, I, I can get this. And now $10,000, $12,000 later and just live streaming. I'm like, oh, that's maybe, I, I really need this one monitor here and this, this little piece of this one doodad or this wire. Um, so it gets pretty involved. Um, but it, it's, it's nice because being able to tell stories live, I mean, that's what I did on the radio. Um, I, I, I did, I majored in like print and broadcast journalism in college. So the broadcast side of it, I was a technical producer for my, uh, university television studio. Um, it just kind of worked. And especially on social media now with engagement, live videos get more engagement than pre-recorded content. They're pushed more in the analytics. So from a marketing business standpoint, um, even, even like a policing standpoint, mm -hmm. if we want to get our message out there, it's, it's a good opportunity and people see it more. So just something that's, that's evolved and I love doing it. Plus, I think the, the live feedback and like the chat interactions, mm -hmm. I think also add a lot to it. A hundred percent. It's nice to be able to interact with the people listening and watching your broadcast. Um, something special about that, being able to actually communicate with them in real time. No pressure, but how would you rate our setup? You looking good? <laughs> this is a legit setup, right? This is, okay. this is professional. Nice. Okay. This, is, this, is, this is legit. I, I like this. Let's take one moment now and hear a word from our sponsors. And we're back. So with the extensive multimedia 
expertise that you have. How'd you become a cop? So I was working at the time doing freelance radio and other odd jobs. I was a paramedic. Um, a, a lot of varying um, work experience. Um, I got offered a job I put in to be the technical director for Fios 1 in Westchester and to run all of their primetime programming and stuff. They were going to give me the job, but the pay was, I believe, like 30000 a year. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, even for prime time. Yeah, I was, I loved what I was doing, but to not have that security to be able to, you know, make it, make it on my own and kind of start a family one day. And I'm like, and so my, I had taken the police exam, um, while I was in college and my dad was a, is a retired detective. He retired in 2016 and he was a 9-11 first responder, all, all that jazz. And he's always told me, he's like, you know what? If you become a cop, you'll never be rich, but you'll, you'll always have a steady job, steady income. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be good. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take him up on this. I got called in um, July of 17, and I took the job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to stick with it or if I was going to try it for a little while and then try to do something else. But one of the good things about this job is that if you have a skill and you know what you're doing, you can end up doing it. Um, I had gotten, I had been working in the 10th precinct. Um, well, I should backtrack a little bit. I was actually held over in the academy a little while because I actually tore my shoulder out. Oh, wow. Tore my labrum, the fractured the head of my humerus, Ooh. and partially tore my bicep in training. I needed surgery and everything. Oh. So, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a rough one. I actually popped my shoulder back in and kept doing the PT. <laughs> I went to the doctor. He's like, how are you functioning? I'm like, I don't know. It hurts, though. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. So Cops are tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was more like I didn't want to let my company down in the account. Like, oh, you're, you're, going, you're going out to the bench? Oh, your company's going to get smoked now. No, I didn't want that. Mm. I just popped my shoulder and I kept doing the push-ups. Oh, man, when I got home that night, I was in agony. After, after I finally got out, after I got my, my surgery and you know, everything, um, I went to the 10th Precinct. Where does that cover? That's um, Chelsea, okay. uh, like the west side. Um, it's from 14th Street in the west side up to 43rd Street, I believe. And it's from 7th Avenue to the water um, up until 34th Street. And then from 34th to 43rd, it's like, uh, I think, 9th to the water. So I was there. And I had gotten in contact over Instagram with Lieutenant Mike Almonte. Oh, one of our former guests. Yeah. And um, I volunteered for the student sponsorship program he was, he was doing. So I always liked, liked giving back. I always liked helping the youth and all that. I did a video for him at this turkey giveaway. He'd worked at Patrol Borough Brooklyn North at the time. He was, a, he was the um, personnel lieutenant for Chief Madry. And I guess he showed the video to the right person. And I did a good enough job that I got a call one day from a number I didn't recognize. And um, it was his assistant detective, uh, Kaz Daughtry. And he's like, this Joe? I'm like, yeah, who's this? He's like, uh, Kaz. He's like, uh, do you want to do some videos for us? And it was, it was history from there. I ended up getting transferred um, to the Brooklyn North Borough, um, and we worked on some great projects over there. We, um, the Holiday Sleigh Ride, which is a hit every single year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that we did. Um, 
a whole a whole bunch of things that just it was great to be able to work in a place that it was like community first and once chief madry got promoted he's the chief of community affairs now um i ended up going with him and um just to be able to see the stuff that we're doing on like on a city scale now being able to see the people that were helping and i guess my official position my official role is i'm on the rapid response team for community affairs so like we go out to um some major incidents and we're there for the victims we're there for their families and um we work to try to do as much for them as as we can um and it, it's 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 a it's a big responsibility um but at the same time i think it's something that as officers it's helping people is our number one goal and being able to help the victims while the detectives work and they they try to put closure to these cases and try to arrest the perpetrators it's nice that we're able to be there for the families um i also do the social media multimedia odd jobs um for the bureau and um we've put together some great video contents great photos we've done some really really cool stuff um one of the things that kind of tied the two of them together for remembrance day last year we did a five-part video series and we interviewed um family members that lost a child to gun violence that was rough um I helped interview with uh, one of my partners, Lamumba David, um, the father of um, Devel Gardner Jr. He was the one-year-old that was killed in Brooklyn. Man, just the emotional toll of doing something like that, being able to feel and see his pain, it was rough. But I'm hoping that the content that we created and the stories we told hopefully changed someone's life and hopefully maybe made someone make a different decision or maybe got some politician somewhere to, to, to invest in this kind of like programming and, 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 and whatnot, because the gun violence we've been seeing has been insane. And, and from my perspective and with the rapid response, we, we've been dealing with the victims of this. It's, it's rough. How do you see the role of social media and, and multimedia play into the department and policing in general today? Social media is huge. This is where we reach everybody nowadays. If you're, um, from, the, from the research I've done and the, and the studies I've read, and all, I, I still keep up with the industry with like journalism and all that stuff. I still keep up with all that. If you want to reach someone under the age of, say, 25 to 30, it's, you're going to be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach an older crowd, you're going to reach them on Facebook. If you're going to reach um, some more of the um, executive level um, businesses, cor- Twitter, news, Twitter. Um, and another platform, um, if you want to really reach a lot of youth now, most people don't have TV anymore. They just go to YouTube. YouTube's a huge platform. Um, so I think social media plays a huge role in not just changing people's perceptions of who we are, which a lot of the time aren't accurate um it's one thing to put something out there but it's another thing to put something out there and have it actually be seen and change the narrative um so social media plays a huge role in in a lot of things that we do now 
I have to ask because it would be weird to imagine you in any other uh, circumstance. Was there any other um, path that you would have taken in the department aside from doing the, the photography and the videos? Huh. Yes. Um, one of the things that my dad always wanted to do when he was on the job, and he worked in the chief of department's office in the CompStat unit. And one of the things that falls under the chief of department's office is TARU, the technical assistance response unit. And he always told me, he always wanted to be on, he's like, it's the James Bond, you know, they do all the really cool tech <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, that's not, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I could have seen myself doing something like that, but, um, I'm honestly very happy where I am. Um, it's nice to be able to create content that the public gets to see and stuff that really does impact people. One of, one of the biggest projects I've done on the job is, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Joe, the um, Brian Moore Memorial video. Yes. And it's a 23-minute a documentary. And funny story about that. I made that in six days. Um, uh, Inspector Natisse Gilbert, who's the CEO of Vice now, um, she was the CEO of the 105. And she's friendly with Chief Madry. And she c called him and asked if, like, she could have someone do a video. Like she needed, they wanted some help to put something really nice together. Because with COVID, they couldn't have their annual celebration of his life the way they normally would have. So I went over there, and she kind of told me the idea she had. And I'm like, it's gonna be a lot of work, but it, to be, it's an it's an honor to be able to do something it's for a good cause. Yeah. And over those six days, I did 30 interviews. I got to meet everyone associated with the case for the most part. The hardest part, I, I interviewed his father, his mother, his grandmother, his aunt. And man, one of the things I think I learned from being a journalist is kind of the art of interviewing. And when you interview someone, you kind of open yourself to them. And you, you're, you're, it's more than just questions. You're, you're, having a discussion, a dialogue, and even on camera, it's the same way. And I remember leaving the interview, because his mom and grandma were, the, were the, same, the same time. I interviewed them separately, but in the same space, same time. And man, I walked out of there, I was just like exhausted. Not, not like physically exhausted, I was just like- Emotionally Emotionally drained. like, wow, I, to be able to hear about Brian, and I, I felt like over those that, that week, I did about, it was about 100 hours worth of work I did on this. And most of it was on my own time because I wanted to make sure this got done right. And when I was done with it, his mom, dad texted me and they were just, they, they were just said thank you. That they, they felt like this captured who he was. And they gave me photos of him um, growing up, playing baseball, um, everything. And it was just, it was so fulfilling to be able to produce something that made his family happy. And I don't know, I, I feel like the, the role I'm in now, being able to do projects like this and the flexibility of, say, some time here and there to be able to produce these real, like, substantive projects, it's special. And there's another project I'm currently in the process of getting off the ground. There's a police officer on the job who, um, a couple years ago, he had twins. Um, there was an issue with their lungs, 
and one of his twins is still in the hospital like three years later and I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm in the process of producing a, a longer form video about how this has shaped his life, his family's life, um, how the job has been there for him, how like with arms wide open has been there for him, and it's nice to be able to have that there to be able to tell these real stories and be able to get this out there. Because when the public looks at us, sometimes even during the protests, when we we were all in uniform out there, people look at us and see just a blue suit, a shield, a gun. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily see us as people. And I like the, the opportunity. I like having the opportunity to go out there and show the person behind the badge, because we're all different. We're all here for. Like I'm here because I want to help. I want to help people. The other day, I mean, I was a volunteer firefighter. I was a paramedic. I've wanted to help people since I was in high school, and. I feel like being able to do these projects, I get to reach thousands of people, and it's an awesome experience. And can do it all as a cop still. Absolutely. And you could, you could still enjoy your passion of, of being able to create videos and be able to tell stories. Absolutely. I feel like in some ways it's kind of freeing doing it this way. Um, I get to tell some really impactful stories. Um, I get to do some really great work. And... The people are really appreciative of it. I know all the cops I've done videos for have been appreciative. They, they, it's really helped them. They, they love it. The families love it. The, pu- the public had great responses to these videos. I do a, a series called Hometown Heroes where we interview cops doing great work in their communities. And it's nice to be able to, to show the great community work these cops are doing. So one thing we always ask on this show is every cop has a million cop stories from any point in your career. I don't care what it was. What's one of yours? Can it be a recent one? Sure. So during the protests, there were people looting in Manhattan. And um, during the curfew hours, um, we had, I was in the Brooklyn North uh, mobile response at the time. We had pulled over a car. Um, we saw a bunch of like boxes, like liquor and stuff. And, and there was a past curfew and, and whatnot. They were, they were like speeding and whatnot. They took off on us. We, we, we followed them. Um, they ended up careening off in Prospect Park. and they got, We arrested five of them right in the scene. And me and two other um, cops had a foot chase with another suspect into the, into the trees. This is 3 a.m. in a pitch black Prospect Park. And the ca- our captain had, had seen that, that guy had had a firearm. And so we, we chased him in, into the trees. We ended up finding him. I don't know how. A pitch black prospect park at 3 a.m. And we, and we found this guy. But um, I ended up taking all six collars. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was, that was a marathon day. I, th- I think that was 36 hours straight. Wow. wow. That, was, uh, that was an interesting one. And then um, one other one on 4th of July... Uh, up in Harlem, there was like 13 people shot in like over the span of like a, a, a half hour. It was crazy. And um, I remember as, as a former paramedic, I'm, I'm currently a department certified EMT. Um, There's one guy that was shot. He had a sucking chest wound. And uh, I ended up putting a chest seal on him, which if that wasn't applied, he might not have lived. I found out later he did live, so that potentially saved his life. And about 
10 minutes after that, I ended up putting a tur- two tourniquets on two different people. Um, it's, been, it's been an interesting time. I mean, yeah. between doing videos, doing actual police work, it, would, I, would I trade it for anything? Probably not. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing all of your expertise with us. Uh, you have anything else you want to throw in at the end? Um, one more thing. Um, for all the kids and stuff listening, do what you love to do. Even if you think you, you won't make a killing at it, like what I did, I was going to be a chemi- um, mechanical engineer and computer scientist. I, don't chase money, chase what you love to do, and money will follow. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, and thank you at home for listening or in the car or in the shower or on a plane, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Rate us where five stars wherever you can. Make sure you tune in next week. For John, for Officer Ryder, I am Officer Coletta. Thank you for tuning in.